And now, Five Star Properties and Pod Slamajama present Let's Rage Crew, streaming on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. of Let's Rage Cougs, joined by Justin Barbosa, Akeb Ghazi, and Dayan Dunlap. And as you can see in the corner of the, the right-hand corner of your screen, presented by Five Star Properties, a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. If you're facing a foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit their website at fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S. Dot com. Once again, big props to Five Star Properties for sponsoring this show. And obviously off the heels of a crazy season opening win, the University of Houston Cougars defeat UTSA 37-35 to in triple overtime. What a crazy game it was. I'm mean, going to go around the table. Uh, at, at dude, I see that you guys are muted, so mute yourselves. Whoever wants to take it first, what are your takeaways, your thoughts of that crazy game where really for the first three quarters, uh, there was a lot of anxiousness just in terms of Houston. It took a while for them to get stuff going. I'll go first. Can you all hear me? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Yeah, I, I, yeah that, that game was amazing. Honestly, I'm going to say, like, there's times where just because of momentum shifting, like I thought, you know, Maybe UTSA had the win in the bag, but Clayton too got that dog in him. He's he's <laughs> different. He's different. Like he he just makes plays come out of nowhere. And we saw that today. We saw the the two point conversion he had with the the somersault into the end zone was was crazy. You know, I was I was shouting and screaming. <laughs> um, and then that that stop at the end, of course, was was great too. So I mean, it's an amazing game. Hey, on Justin, what were your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, I was kind of scared uh, when it was a uh, fourth down and one going for it in uh, UTSA's territory. And then once we got that illegal substitution, that really uh, changed the yeah. entire momentum to go UH direction. Yeah. But man, uh, that first half was looking really bleak. A lot of trouble on the offensive line, a lot of key drops. I mean, couldn't get the run game going and really not much pass plays, but. They were able to put it together after that uh, legal substitution on the UTSA, get it together, and it was just a straight-up dogfight going into overtime. Man, from here on out, I'm calling him Tunchi. He's earned the name <laughs> Tunchi. Tunchi showed up in the second half. He led us to victory. He did what he was supposed to do, is just made plays. Man, I swear I love college football, man. I was nervous at times, but I never really lost hope because the second half, once the defense turned it on, Tune started making completions and completions and just started moving the ball down the field. And I, and but I did get I did get nervous, but I never lost hope, man. Just what a game. That's just the epitome of college football, how good it is, game by game, the excitement, the rules, everything about college football. I loved it. Defense stepped up when they needed to in that last moment. They played great in the fourth quarter to allow us to get back in it. What a game, man. What a football game. Absolutely. And of course, we have to start um, with what Justin mentioned a little bit early on. Uh, uh, it was a lot a very, I don't know if you would say rust or just a lot of penalties early on, especially from that offensive line where whether it was holding penalties, uh, sacks that they gave up. I think Clayton Toon was sacked four times and they also gave up nine tackles for losses. Um, that was one of the the offensive groups heading into camp where there was some question about it just in terms of um, since Dana Hogerson has been here, the offensive line has kind of struggled a little bit. And I know there was uh, still a battle going at right tackle heading into this game. What did you guys see from the offensive line? And uh, Dayan, I'll toss it over to you first. Um, I, I can tell the crowd played a factor. The crowd definitely played a factor with the noise. It seemed like they played a factor. I mean, I just got to give credit to UTSA. They got athletes. Don't let the name fool you. I got to give credit to them. They got athletes on their side. They were able to make plays. Their defensive line made plays. And in our last podcast, one thing that I kept reiterating was who was going to win the line of scrimmage. Went back and forth. UTSA won the line of scrimmage, I thought, in the first half, almost like the first three quarters. Uh, UH in the second half, D-line, sack app, started to make plays, and which that turned um, the tide. And so – 
I mean, man, it was just a, a great football game, honestly, man. I I think that's going to be one of the best football games we'll see all season. Justin, okay, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought, I mean, the O-line, uh, all those false starts, like, I could, I mean, if I'm if I'm Daniel Hogerson, I'm running those guys extra or, you know, making an emphasis on that because I mean, you have all – all of off season to, but that, that's probably because of rust and credit to that UTSA crowd. Like they were loud. You could probably, I'm sure if you're in that arena, you could barely hear anything. But at the same time, like those, you know, Dayon just mentioned those, de- that defensive line for UTSA look big. And, you know, I know they only play in, uh, or they were in conference USA last season, but like that team, that defensive line doesn't look like, you know, a, a team, it, it looks like a team that's part of, uh, like a power five school, just just how big they were, how athletic they were, how they were making all these plays and uh, jumping our O line. So, yeah, they're. I mean, they played credit to UTSA. They played really well, but you know, all those false starts really they killed us. And Justin, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Jeff Trailer's building the team over there at UTSA. Uh, they're really good last year, and I was expecting a tough game for it to be like close in the first half and. You have know, pull away by at least a touchdown or at least, but yeah, de- definitely a completely different outcome as a uh, UTSA, you know, took over UT, uh, Houston's mistakes in the first half. And then uh, U of H able to pull together in the second half and they're building the squad. I, I expect the UTSA to run the table in conference USA this year, but, um, but once again, yeah, just fix up the offensive line errors going into next week against Texas tech. That's going to be a big matchup. And definitely something that U of H should put on the calendar. Uh, four straight losses going back to 2010. And really the last three games all could have been winnable against Texas Tech. Really just a big week coming up. You know, rest up, work on that offensive line, and correct your errors going into next week. Now, real quickly, I'm going to toss it over. This is something new that we're trying on. We didn't do this during the March Madness run, but uh, we have a hotline section 102. He put his name at section 102, so I'm guessing that means he was in San Antonio um section 102 can you hear us yeah no that's the that was the section i had when i first got season tickets to tdecu it's since changed but uh that's my name on the kook fans board so um yeah no i hear you i just wanted to iterate it's uh it's kind of funny when you read the message boards or whatever something like that it's uh it it's like we feel like we're gonna play like gods on week one Mm -hmm. but we had some secondary personnel that was newish um and you were up against three very experienced receivers with utsa and they made really good plays and then their quarterback had a lot of experience and he was an escape artist uh there are a lot of times where you think we had him uh but he was able to get out of it and make a play and it just showed that utsa they're experienced they're well coached they were very disciplined uh, they didn't make a whole lot of mistakes, uh, and when they did, they were able to kind of recover from them pretty quickly. Uh, I, I look at it this way. They got our C game, and uh, we played UTSA, which was – I'd say they played their B-plus game. They had the one turnover, but that was more of a big play by Parrish than anything. But uh, I, I kind of expected this. I expected us to kind of stub our toe a little bit because uh, we were on the road, we had a new personnel in the secondary. And the other thing was it was uh, – I, 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 the one thing I was a little surprised about is we had some vanilla play calling uh, most of the third quarter. And I didn't quite understand the run-run pass. I mean, I understand we try to establish a run. We're trying to get our defense uh, to be fresh. But at that point in time, because of the momentum they had going into halftime and that we couldn't establish a run, is I didn't understand why we didn't mix it up in the third quarter uh, in the early going. But that's all I had. Thank you for joining real quickly before uh, we let you go. I got to ask you about that final double, the triple overtime play from Clayton Toon. Uh, it was the, the play of the game because it sealed the game where he hurtled over the UTSA defender and then scored that go-ahead two-point conversion. I worry your thoughts when you saw that and just Toon's performance overall. Oh, yeah. No, you can see, like, I've watched him since day one. Uh, when he was very green and Applewhite had him out there too early, burned his red shirt. Uh, I can't remember, what was that, 19, I think, or 18? I think it was an 18 when he burned his red shirt. Um, And you've seen this kid grow, and the best thing that could have happened to him last year 
was having that bad hammy. So, you know, he was kind of running on one and a half legs and he was able to, you know, like turn into a pocket passer, a mature passer. And we kind of saw during the off season, there was a lot of hype with him during this off season. It mm. almost scared me to the point where it'd be too much hype. And it was like, are we really just setting the expectations way too high for Clayton Toon? But what you saw with him in the second half was he was a cool customer. He played great. And when the, when uh, when we were up against it and we, our backs were against the wall, he made the plays he had to make. And they, they were amazing. Um, and let's not forget, you know, the last play everybody's going to talk about because he looked like Superman going in the end zone. But <laughs> that that pass to Dell was perfect uh, for yeah. the two-point conversion before that. I mean, uh, that was a great play by Dell to keep his foot in, but that was right in stride. Uh, so, I, I mean, Clayton Toon lived up to all the billing because there was a lot of hype after he won the Manning Camp Award, all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I feel like Golden's going to keep maturing. Um, I, still, I still don't know who's going to be the third guy on this team. I guess it's going to be Carter for the receiving core. Uh, didn't get to see much out of Brown Jr. today, but uh, I'm really excited about uh, about Golden, even though he had that drop. Uh, but they they played well today. Once again, thank you for for joining us on the show. We appreciate your input and absolutely great points made. Uh, once again, that was a section 102. Um, and, and before we kind of segue and, and focus on the defense, a couple of points that he made there specifically about the receivers um obviously of course with Matt Golden and and really there was a lot of talk uh, from Dana Horvitz and some of the players during the training camps of how impressive they were with Matthew Golden they said he didn't look like a, a freshman he had a couple of mistakes in terms of drops early on he had a couple of great plays where he had the toe drag flag moment down the sideline where Clayton Toon found him in the last second um but obviously of course when you think receivers outside of Tank Dell you got to go back to that one-handed catch the tie-in catch touchdown by joseph manjack that he made um that that was absurd that was a crazy catch and and there were a lot of highlights in this game what were, what were your thoughts on, from the receiving core and specifically about manjack and, and golden not necessarily about tank yeah i think our, our young talent specifically receivers really really has a bright future just starting with golden you know he had the one drop but outside of that you can really see his explosiveness on that one stop right he made the defender miss and took it i think like 30 or 40 yard catch you can see his hands, his concentration definitely looks explosive out there. Then Man Jack, um, Hogerson talked about his ability to play all through receiver position. You see the big body he has kind of looks weird out there because he kind of has no drip, just no gloves, just strictly uniform. But he made plays when the ball came his way. He made the catches. And um, I, I think this receiver court will be well. The game plan, like Section 103 said, it kind of you would think it put it in question because it was so run heavy. But then when it came time to letting Clayton Toon make those throws, he was very, very accurate with the football, making timely plays. He didn't force any throws, didn't put any throws in harm's way. And the receiver court, when they had time to make plays, they made plays from everyone, from Carter. He made a couple of catches on that one third down and got – um, the first down. And so all the receivers, I feel like, played their role today. Okay, but Justin, I'll toss it over to you before we segue to the defense. Yeah, no, I agree with Dayon. They, I mean, any anytime we needed a, a catch or a play made, like the receivers, they, you know, they caught the ball. So it, especially, I mean, not only just catching catching balls, but they were tight roping and they were, uh, you know, I think also uh, Matthew Golden, he, oh, Man Jack, he made that, the touchdown play that I think I believe that um, put us um, just seven points back. And then, um, yeah, overall, the I, I didn't have a, I mean, of course, a couple of drops, but like the receiving core did their job. And it's not like we threw the ball a ton, right? I think mm -hmm. it was like 30, 32 passes, I believe, from Clayton Toon, which is like not normal for him, obviously. So it's not. I feel like we just didn't get to see as much as we could have because we didn't. We were just so run, rush heavy this game. Justin, final thoughts on on Tune and, and the receivers? Yeah, it's like Deion said. It's a lot of youth on that receiving core with Golden, and then uh, Samuel Brown and Carter. But that was a great catch, like on the sideline by uh, Golden. And uh, Andy was actually saying it in the catch. That was the NFL catch. Had both feet like on the sideline with his toes. But uh, what Akib was saying, uh, they made a lot of key catches. And what really stuck out to me was the third down efficiency. 
going 13 of 21 today. Really some big plays on third down. And real quickly, before we transition over to the defense, we do have to pay some bills. Like once again, uh, we do have our primary sponsor. And like I mentioned at the, the top of the show, big props to Five Star Properties, who, like I said, they're a Dallas-based company owned by UH alum. So if you're in the Dallas area and you are facing foreclosure and need to sell your home for cash as is, be sure to call 972-532-SELL or visit their website as you see it on the screen. That's fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E. S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S dot com. So now, obviously, of course, heading into the season, the big or heading coming from last season, 2021, really with the defensive identity that was built was Sac Avenue and and uh, just what they were able to build along that defensive line. Obviously, of course, we know of what they lost but with the players like uh, Logan Hall and David Anini. Uh, Getting into this game, they had a really great first quarter where it looked like they were absolutely shutting down UTSA. They struggled a bit there in the second and third. And then for much of the fourth, it looked like the defense overall had found its groove. And they were really did a great job of really going back to the first quarter where they were shutting down UTSA. And then the final 23 seconds happened. We'll go around the corner, Day, and I'll start with you first. What did you see from the UH defense as a whole? And obviously, of course, Saka. Well, let's just start with up front. I, I think um, they were able to get to Harris a lot, but unable to get to him and bring him down. So they actually yeah. affected the game early. Um, I was able to get to him, just unable to bring him down. They were able to stifle the run, play it outside of a couple of big runs. And they really played well the entire second half outside of that first drive in the third quarter. Outside of that, they pretty much shut down UTSA until that last drive in which they were able to drive the ball down the field on a couple of catches to tie it up to send it to overtime. But, I mean, I got to give credit to Frank Harris, man. He looks like a six-year senior. Him and Clayton Toole really dueled back and forth, back and forth, they play after play. But the defense, um, the D-line, I, I think they're going to run their sack total up even more. They didn't get as much of a sack that I feel like they could have got because of the elusiveness of Frank Harris. But the linebacker court, they flew flew around. Donovan Mutant went out for maybe a series or two, but he was running around making plays. And also the secondary, yeah, our corners, they played really well. I will say our corners played well outside of a, a couple great throws. You can't defend great throws, and Harris made some great throws in which you simply just can't defend. I think our safeties – um, they, they played well as well. They came up and made tackles. Could have made a couple more plays down the field. But overall, I, th I think our defense, they, they played a solid game. I wouldn't say it was their best game. I would agree with Section 102. I would say we probably played a, a C game, a C-plus game at that, and still came out victorious. And that's just holding our team to the highest standard um, and what I feel like they can produce. And so overall, I think the defense will get better, especially when we're at our full strength. But I will say I'm surprised that we allow players to wear number 10, man. When you wear that number mm -hmm. 10 at UH following Ed Oliver, I expect for you to look different out on the field, and that's just my opinion. Okay, Justin. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with everything Deion said. Um, but, yeah, that first quarter, it looked like Sac Avenue, and then that whole second quarter we were getting torched. A lot of the third quarter, I think it was the third, late in the third quarter where we got, like, our first sack, I believe, as a team. So, um, definitely that D-line needs a little bit more work. I think, like Dayon said, corners did their job for the most part. I think safeties at times, especially in the fourth quarter in overtime, where they let, you know, those two big plays to let, you know, UTSA back in the game eventually tie it. Like that, those two big plays, you know, we shouldn't have, they should never be allowed. Like, especially in whenever you're in that type of situation in, in football games, late game situations, the middle is not supposed to be that wide open, you know, and that was two plays in a row. So, you know, I think this maybe there's there might be a little bit some couple of concerns at safety position, but like overall, the team, you know, defensively did okay. It's just, you know, UTSA's quarterback was on another level today. And Justin, I will close out with you. Yeah, I agree. I could bet uh, last drive was just unacceptable. It gave me actually a. Uh flashbacks of that two lane game a few years back but uh yeah just credit to frank harris he made a lot of the defenders missed he was a uh, crafty he was slippery able to make some plays out of the pocket and especially on that uh third down play in the second overtime to get that touchdown pass able to run down to the sideline make that pass in the end zone i mean just all credit to the quarterback the there but 
That was a great play. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of improvement on the D line. And uh, what really, uh, what you tend to say adjusted to is they went up tempo, kind of spaced out the field a little bit, get some open men on the field. But other than that, you know, it was an okay game from the defense, expected to improve down the road. And I, I think uh, sticking on the on the defense, I think the player that really, especially early on, that had a lot of good plays was Alex Hogan, where we saw him making a yeah. great tackle on literally the opening possession of the game. I know he had a couple of other uh, plays where he literally broke down passes. Uh, there was a slant, I believe it was on, uh, I believe it was in the second half when UTSA went for it on fourth down early on, and and it looked like UTSA had converted on the, the the fourth down conversion, and he was able to get his hands in there and disrupt the pass. I think Alex Hogan, what he was able to put on film in this game, really should give Houston fans a lot of uh, excitement and optimism. Obviously, of course, when it's been the talk all of training camp, you know, how are they going to be able to replace Marcus Jones and Demarion Williams? Well, Alex Hogan stepped up, and Art Green had a couple of good plays as well during uh, in the secondary. Yeah, both corners played well. We definitely miss Pepe and Marcus Jones. You you can definitely tell it's a difference having two NFL corners out there. But like I said, both our corners made plays in man-to-man coverage. When they have the opportunity to make big plays, they got PBUs. And, um, I mean, it really – no complaints. I think first game on the road, I mean, just underestimating – I think just UTSA team. People look at the name and underestimate them. Like, oh, it took you, what, three overtimes to beat UTSA. But you got a quarterback like that – who has the experience that he has and the way he was able to make plays, throwing, running, just keeping his team in it. I mean, that was a very, very impressive win. Now we go to Texas Tech. It's going to be an even better challenge, but I think our confidence is either going to raise even more because Clayton Toon, I mean, just really continue to um, Ella evolve like he did last year. I was cool, under pressure, never rattled may play after play, whether it's running, throwing, and the team, I believe, is 100% high in Clayton Toon. Toonchi, my bad. Toonchi. <laughs> I'll keep Justin. Any other thoughts? No, I yeah, think section uh, 120 really nailed it. That uh, entry to Clayton Toon really helped his presence in the pocket, and we just see it improve in the second half of this game. But just incredible play by – Tate, uh, Clayton Toon really uh, go out there and just sling it. Aki, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, I mean, nothing else really can be said how, you know, how good Clayton Toon was. He was a game manager, and it was kind of funny. Like, I just want to make one point where I think I think much of the second and third quarter where UTSA was getting going, that kind of looked like Cougar offense <laughs> to me where, you know, we would have a couple of first in first, second down throws, and then maybe run it, get a first down, um, up tempo. Like I didn't see that at all much. And I don't know if I'm not. I don't know what the game plan was going into this game because I felt like we did not do any of that in the first, you know, two three quarters of the game. It just felt like we just really we got maybe got scared after um, Clayton Tune lost the football. But then at the same time, the next the next drive, Clayton Tune had like a run. Um, for I think first down or some or he he had a, a sufficient gain so I'm not sure why we he wasn't you know slinging it as much you know up until the end of the game when we really needed him to. I will say if I can add one more thing I think I mean although we got the dub I think we could have got Tank even more involved whether it's bubble screens quick screens just to get the ball in his hands in open field especially with the way we was able to spread them out and then Brandon Campbell I really like the way he told it the to rock tonight he ran hard broke tackles elusive I think he's another bright spot. Um, in this offense, we definitely miss Alton, but I think Brandon Campbell just looking forward in the future. I think him and Alton is going to be nice one two punch. And on that note, we are going to transition. We're actually going to have footage from Dana Hogerson, so major props to James Euler of the Daily Cougar. But before we get to that, uh, once again, just got to give the big shouts to Five Star Properties. Uh, like I've reiterated through in the first few minutes, they're a Dallas-based company from UH alum, and you know you have their information. Um, really major, major props because they were the first company to kind of take the lead and being a primary sponsor. So anything we can do to help them once again, as you see the number, if you're in the Dallas area and you like to sell your home, uh, they do cash sales. That's 972 532 
S-E-L-L, or if you want the number version, 7355. That's www.5starprops.com. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And once again, we couldn't be more grateful to them for being the uh, top primary sponsor for the first four episodes of Max Rage Cougs throughout the early portion of the football season. And on the other side of this ad, because we did have another sponsor, and a lot of Houston fans are going to know these guys in Star Pizza, we will hear from Dana Hogerson on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for calling Star Pizza. This is Tim. How am I helping you? This is D.A. Jones. I'm calling to order some pizza. Hey, Mr. Jones, same order as last time? Same order as last time. Okay, and the delivery address? Man, we over on Sac Ave. Sac Avenue? Let me see if we even deliver there. We right here on your map. All right, we'll see you in about 45 minutes an hour. Thanks. Hurry up, we hungry. I'm hungry, man. We eat the best pizza on Sac Ave. Okay, though. So once again, major props to Start Pizza as well for being a sponsor on the show. Uh, be sure to check them out with their various locations across the Houston area. And they're doing some great things with the University of Houston Athletics and NIL. Like you just saw that commercial is an example of that. But we're going to toss it over to Dana Holerson, who once again, big props to James Mueller of the Daily Cougar for sending us this footage. He's in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Here's Dana Holerson uh, opening statements following Houston's 37-35 win against UTSA to start the 2022 season. Comment first. Uh, <clears throat> I know there's some things said throughout the course of the week. <clears throat> um, you know, I just all in the spirit of competition, so to speak. But uh, I've got a lot of respect for UTSA. Okay, they, you know, they've been playing for 12 years. Uh, Coach Trailer's been here three years. Uh, that is a very sound, uh, talented, well-coached uh, football team. And this atmosphere is as good as anywhere. Okay, now I commend the Houston faithful. Um, <clears throat> you know, the spirit of Houston was awesome. Um, you know, our fans were awesome. I knew we'd get a good bit of people here, and we did. Um, you know, I said at some point in the summer, this felt like a preseason bowl game. Um, I think that's kind of the future of week zero and week one, honestly. Um, and that's what this guy, this felt like. Uh, it, nothing that happened surprised me. Um, I knew it was going to be a, a, a tough game, and I knew it was gonna, we were going to have to fight hard. There was going to be first-game mistakes, um, and we're playing a good opponent. So, man, I just credit our team for just hanging in there, uh, not panicking when we were down, um, and just fighting till the end and finding a way to get the victory, which at the end of the day, it was Clayton Cannon just making sure it happened. So questions what an opening statement obviously of course clarifying the leading up to this game and it, it was kind of um i wouldn't say it was necessarily uh you know you could feel those a bit of that interstate rivalry leading up to it and then on thursday it just ramped up when dana hogerson on his radio show made a i, I do got a preface it, it did sound like he was saying it in jest in terms of the animal dome and how loud it gets and he said oh we got to make sure you know if they don't pop pump crowd noise and whatnot but ever since that utsa really embraced those comments and like he gave um in that quote right there you heard um that it was really loud in the alamo dome at stretches especially when utsa was rolling and they had that 21 7 lead and big props to houston to be able to manage that and to be honest that was probably a big factor in a lot of the penalties that you saw from both on the defensive line and a lot with the offensive line would say you guys Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I think I referenced that earlier um, in the show where that, that crowd noise was something else. And, I mean, who who would think that you could expect that out of, like, UTSA? Like, I have friends that go to UTSA. I mean, I don't know if they even watched – some of them watched the game or not. But that crowd was, was uh, you know, next level. And, and maybe that's just as a result of how good they were last season. 12 wins is, like, something to be very proud of. And uh, I think – that they're on the come up for sure. It, much like how UH was at whenever we were part of, you know, Conference USA, it, it, almost yeah. a similar trajectory. 
for sure, they're going to be making the jump. That's something that Dan and I touched on um, during our podcast leading up to it, where really these are two teams that were in really similar spots. Like you mentioned, Akib, they both were 12-2 and two a season ago. They're both in a position where they're going to be jumping to a new conference in 2023. And uh, it was mentioned on the CBS Sports broadcast where, I mean, regardless of what the outcome had been, those were two teams, especially once the fourth quarter rolled around, where uh, it was really tough that, that one of them had to lose just because you could tell that they were giving it their own, even on that final play where UTSA Frank Harris had a chance to look like to, to make a play and it just came down to Houston being able to finally get to him and it just ended on a on a perfect note obviously if you're Houston but on the other side UTSA is such a heartbreaker I'll, I'll toss it over to you Dayon or, or Justin any thoughts on that opening statement from Dana Holgerson yeah I mean I think he had to give credit about that crowd because during the broadcast they said the sideline reporter was like if you took out her headset, she can barely hear talking to the person next to her. And so I, I think that crowd was electrifying. I'm just hoping you on um, TDCU can get 30 plus thousand. So 30 plus thousand um, yeah. in the Alamo Doma is amazing. Can TDECU, can the Cook fans answer that? Can they show up and support this football team? That's a question to be answered. I mean, I hope so. This is a good football team. They've proven them. That's a good football team that they beat. And so um, I think Coach Holbrook saying, um, I gotta give him credit, man. Um, his team didn't panic. He didn't panic um, for a coach who is offensive minded and used to play calling. He didn't. At times, I would wonder would he jump in and start calling plays? Him keeping his composure, allowing trust his offensive coordinator and trusting the game plan. I think that just bowls down all the way throughout to his team. And I'm seeing the comments below, man. That commercial was pretty, and <laughs> that was pretty dope. And as soon as I saw D'Anthony Jones make that tackle, it made me think about that big hit yeah. he made during yeah, the game. The tackle was, for loss. Yeah, yeah almost Jadavion Clowney like the way he broke yeah. quickly, made that big hit. Uh, man, that 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 was a that was a great play. For sure. And Justin, I'll toss it over to you. Any Anything from the opening statement, Dana Holgerson, before we toss it over to it looks like we have Scott on standby. So, Scott, we're coming to you after. Yeah, just like Dana, uh, Dana Holgerson said, just a lot of respect for that program. Had a great team last year. And Akib was saying earlier, just like kind of like the spot we were in in Conference USA back in the Keenum days. We had those big seasons in that 13-1 and year in Kevin Sumlin's last year. But UTSA came out ready, and that crowd noise had a lot of effect on the f- offensive line. And we saw in that last two-point conversion, they got uh, a false start and had to, you know, Clayton Toon save the day with that big hurdle. But, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of respect to that program and what Dan was talking about. I-, I just hope, you know, if we get a big win over Texas Tech, you're 2-0, and got a win over a good UTSA team, getting a win over a Big 12 team as a preview for next year, you know, hopefully that brings some uh, – some hype going into the first home game of the season. Like I said, you know, hopefully over 30,000. And I remember, like Joseph Duarte said, uh, Chris Pesman said around, they had around 20,000, 25,000 season tickets sold this year. Yeah, for sure. And I, I I can't remember. I just saw an article recently. I don't think the TDSU has had a game where they've had over 30,000 in attendance since I, I believe it's 2018. But if it's not 2018, it's around that time, 2018 or 2019. So it's been a while. And um, obviously, a lot's going to depend on, on what they're able to do in Texas Tech. But th- this is a really exciting way to start the season. So like I mentioned now, Scott, uh, I hope you can hear us. We're about to toss it over to Scott. Scott, are you there? Hey, Scott. Well, we're going to toss it over to our second um, guest, Costa. Costa, can you hear us, sir? Yes. Hey, guys. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. How were you? What What are your thoughts of the game? You just uh, saw the day oh. over some clip there. What, what were your thoughts? <laughs> So it seems like every year since I graduated in 2011, I've been going to games since I was in the late 90s. But ever since we've had Kevin Cobb, it seems like there's always one or two games a year where they're the cardiac coups. It never yeah. fails. It's always <laughs> – there's always a game that you're always wanting to have a cardiologist on, on deck. Um, our defense really sucked today, unfortunately. Pardon my language, but – the middle of the field was always open. Those big tight ends that they had, we could just never catch a break. For sure. And, and obviously, of course, when we talk about this game, this 
Oh, go ahead, Dan. Now, quick question. I just want to ask him for a fan who's been going to games for a while. What do you think it's going to take for other fans to fill up TDECU Stadium like um, UTSA fans did at the Alamo Dome? Well, so, yeah, I, I remember in, in 2003, our browse's first year, we were lucky to have 15, 18,000 a game. And it's been trending upwards ever since, but a lot of it has to do with the opponents that we face. That's period, end of story. It's just the East Carolinas, the the Memphises, it just doesn't do it. And the, the fans just are not interested in that. And the whole Tony Levine era, you know, the whole deal with um, the major Applewhite, just the ups and downs, there just has to be consistency like Kelvin Sampson has in the basketball scene. It's just, unfortunately, the, the football team has had its once in a blue moon great seasons it has to have it has to come down to consistency i think that's a great point because um i think chris gardner who was who were on his youtube channel he mentioned that cool fans often come out to see the other team and the last game that i went to that the stadium was completely sold out was when louisville came to town lamar jackson was there so i think you're right right spot on right there for sure. And uh, Costa, one one of the final things we'll ask before we let you go, obviously, of course, next game, uh, Lubbock against Texas Tech. That's it, It's something that, that a lot of the players that were on the team last season are still on the roster this year. Uh, obviously, of course, you can't forget of how that season opener went in 2021 where Houston had that 21-7 lead, and then they were completely shut out in the second half, and Texas Tech came in, and obviously, of course, in Houston, not at TDCU, at NRG Stadium, and were able to go away with the victory of how big is it going to be for Houston um, obviously coming off the exciting performance in week one to be able to build on that and how big will it be going in attendance if they can go up there and beat Texas Tech I know they're playing well, Kansas for the home opener but if they can come back 2-0 and that, that's got to be do wonders for the program in terms of momentum well don't don't forget even before last year's game we're losing uh, we even lost to Texas Tech a couple years before that at Tech so they've yeah. had the number on us for the last three or four years uh, this is our time to finally show the country that we belong in the Big 12. We have to put up and shut up. We have to, we have to, you know, we we have to walk the walk. And um, and Dana has to Dana has to have his his meaningful game. He really hasn't had his meaningful game yet. Beating Cincinnati would have been great last year. Beating Auburn's nice, but you want you want to beat Tech. You want to beat Kansas back to back. That way you're starting off next year. Hey, you can play with the big boys. Yeah, and I think Tech is a must win. They're like the doormat of the Big 12. Like, we cannot have that as um, a, a game that – a big game. We got to beat them, and I expect to beat them on the road, especially going into the Big 12. They're not a team that just year in, year out, a good football team in the Big 12. Uh, if we want to prove that we take that next step, I agree 100%. We got to beat Texas Tech. That's a must win in my opinion. Yeah, Costa, you had a really great statement to, to close out, so I'll toss it over to you. Is there anything else you'd like to add, whether it was of this UTSA game or, or looking ahead at the season? No, I just want to tell you guys I, I like your podcast. I have it. I listen to it on the road, and I'm really proud of you guys for doing what you're doing. So so I'm just uh, big props. Go Cougs. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. And uh, we're about to go to the next clip. This will be Dana Horson speaking about Clayton Toon. But once again, before, and we got to keep hammering it on because this is the inaugural after, um, what was it? We had the final show in March. So it's about a six-month hiatus since the last time we we did a Let's Rage Cougs. When obviously, of course, it was under unfortunate circumstances when Houston had just lost to Villanova in the Elite Eight. But uh, we didn't have a sponsor back then in Five Star Properties. They were really, really big for us to be able to to kind of take that leap of faith uh, for the first show. And, and this is kind of a plug, but they are the primary sponsor. We have uh, spots for secondary and tertiary sponsorships or like Star Pizza did where we saw that where they could buy commercial spots. We're open for business like Brett Yormark. We mentioned the Big 12 said uh, over a month ago when referencing a possible conference expansion with the Big 12, but we are also open for business. And once again, we just like to give a huge shout out to Five Star Properties, the Dallas-based company that is actually owned by UH alum. So sticking with the, the program network and being able to build, it's always good whenever you see the UH alumni community come together to obviously, of course, in this instance, when it comes to athletics and this specifically football, but just in general to help out Cougs helping Cougs. And obviously, of course, if you're in the Dallas market, looking 
looking to sell your house as is, be sure to contact Five Star Properties first, like you see it on the screen at 972-532-SELL or at www.fivestarprops.com. So I got to mention, my frat brother, greatest fraternity in the land, Kappa Alpha Psi, Jay McLean. He is um, the sponsor of Five Star Properties, so make sure you tap in with him. For sure. And on that note, we will toss it over to Dana Holgerson and what he had to say uh, on his quarterback, Clayton Toon, during the game against UTSA. Um, he was a little uneasy in the pocket because I don't think we protected very good for the first three quarters. Um, why? I don't know. Uh, I can't wait to watch this video. I mean, there's just me so much that we can learn from and coach off of. Uh, he did way too much with his feet that I'm comfortable with. We called a few designed runs, some of them was being in the, <clears throat> the score zone area as much as we were due to three overtimes. But, um, you know, that we, we don't want to do that with them that much. But at the end of the day, this kid's going to do what he's got to do to win the game. I mean, that's where he's at. That's that's his mindset. Um, we got to keep him cleaner. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to coach that up. So once again, Dana Horson kind of memories, uh, mimicking or mirroring some of the stuff that, that we uh, touched on early on on the show. And obviously the big thing right there, um, something that was kind of the story of 2021 when uh, Clayton Toon suffered that, that hamstring injury um, early on in the season that really limited his mobility. And there was a lot of talk of how that ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise for, for Toon just in terms of not having to rely a lot on his legs. Well, um, during this game, a lot of it had to do, like Dana Hungerson touched on it there, just the, the offensive line. Uh, a lot of times there were instances where the UTSA D-line was just being able to get into the backfield and, and forcing Toon to rush, um, which forced Toon to have to make a lot of plays with his legs. And I know that's something that we kind of said in jest where um, I think it's very rare the time that Clayton Toon's going to throw away the ball just because I feel like he he believes that he can make a play out of thin air and he has that much confidence in himself, but you know, there was a couple of times where you know he would try to extend the play and he take a big shots and just to give a chance to to his receivers early on. Um, I'll go once again around the round table and I'll, I'll go to you first. But um, kind of what what Dana Horson said there, where he's, he's really looking forward to being able to see the tape and, and seeing where they can grow, especially on that offensive line where they had to rely on on Clayton Toon to make a lot of um, big plays for Houston to be able to pull out this win. Yeah, that comment, you know, that that brings me a lot of confidence because him saying that there's a lot to be, you know, taken care of, a lot we need to do to get better. I mean, that that tells you how much more we can improve, even though we got a win today. It was a tough win, but at the same time, like, there's so many things the Kooks can improve on. And if you're a Kook fan and you saw today, like, you know, our our performance wasn't as good until, you know, late game situation you should be even more confident because there's so many things that we can you know clean up and get better at throughout the season this is only game one down justin any any thoughts on what dana Hogerson had to say yeah i'm glad he mentioned about the offensive line and they're going to work on adjustments going to the next week's game but yeah, he's right. Got to got to protect your quarterback, and and he, he said it himself. Uh, scared to see Clayton Toon make some plays on his feet, and obviously did well with it. And saw it on the final last play of the game that clinched the win. But uh, definitely, you know, work on offensive line. You know, give uh, Clayton Toon some time to throw and go out there and make some plays in the pocket. But that's where the the injury last year with the hamstring really helped him, you know, his presence in the pocket. But now that he has his, that's all 100% healed, he it adds another uh, development to his game. Can be more dangerous on his feet as well, make him more versatile. Yeah, I think one thing that stood out to me in that clip was Clayton was a little antsy in the pocket. I don't know if it was – I think it probably was because of the pressure, but I saw, in my opinion, a couple of times where he may have – rolled out too soon where B could have stepped up and still made a couple of throws. But like um, Justin just said, I mean, it brings another element to his game, his ability to extend plays, his ability to run with the football, and then his accuracy. I think his accuracy really, really took a next step last season, forcing him to stay in the pocket, become more of a pocket passer. He's really taken a next level because he's made a lot of accurate throws. And that one throw that got tipped, if um, it wasn't tipped, Matthew Golden would have caught that. It would have been a touchdown. So he made a lot of accurate throws. He had a, a really tremendous game 
game in that second half, didn't lose the game. And that was oftentimes in the last couple of years, UH would have found a way to lose that game, whether it's the defensive or offensive. They would have found a way. But when you have that good leadership at the quarterback, I, I think it just balls well at the end of the team. He kept them in the defense, kept fighting, kept fighting, and ended up making the play. And speaking of the sponsors, if – if anyone out there would like to sponsor the hotline right now would be the time where we would it would be your time to shine because well we've had guests throughout but joining us from San Antonio James Mueller of the Daily Cougar James Mueller of the Daily Cougar once again thank you for providing that post game footage of Dana Horson you are live in San Antonio you were there um I guess we got to start with with what was the atmosphere like in the Alamo Dome um from the beginning when UTSA was leading and then when Houston rallied and throughout overtime I'd imagine through the TV it was pretty hectic but what was it experiencing it live yeah can you hear me okay yes sir you were good yeah to so thanks for having me i can only stay on for a few minutes but um utsa yeah their students showed up early um right when the gates came in packed it out um doing uh through warm-ups everything like that uh sort of as you would expect and then obviously the first quarter it, it was just so so because you know there wasn't much happening um in terms of big plays but then you know that second quarter and then third quarter when USA went up 14, it was going nuts. Um, and you could, you could just sense that they brought that home field advantage. Dana, um, I don't know if you've talked about it already, but in one of the clips um, I sent you talked about, you know, this, this atmosphere is as good as anywhere he's been. And yeah. um, it, it was, a, and it was electric, um, especially overtime each play. I mean, the crowd's just, you know, on the edge of their seats, holding their breath because, you know, each play matters so much. And then when you get down to that third overtime in the, two-point conversion you know it's it's one shot and so you mm. can just you could have just you could just feel the anxiety um throughout uh the entire stadium for sure and, and um, speaking of post game you know we we just finished talking about Daniel Horace and what he had to say about Clayton Toon and we're really um he said he's looking forward to being able to watch the film and being able to to break down and kind of dissect a lot of stuff especially along that O-line where you know they had a really rough game against UTSA but what were some of your main takeaways from Dana Horace's availability and did they have any players um post game to discuss as well yeah so my main thing from Dana's availability was you know he was just straight up honest, you know, it was a, it was a win. It was an ugly win, but, uh, you know, two years ago, a year ago, same thing wouldn't happen. And that goes back to, you know, the veteran age of this team. He's talked about, you know, time and time again, how old the starting unit is and how they didn't have fear, um, even down, you know, in a hostile environment. So that was my biggest takeaway from Dana. And then, uh, Clayton, uh, tank and, uh, uh, Nelson Caesar were available post game. Clayton, just, you know, talk, I mean, he emphasized the same thing that Dana said about just, you know, not feeling that sense of fear from the team um, when they're down. Mm -hmm. And he's talked about, you know, him wanting to step up as a leader more and more. And this was a great opportunity for him to show it. And he, you know, he, he, Dana obviously didn't want him sacrificing his body as much as he did, but he was like, you know, when there's a will, there's a way you got to do what you got to do to win. And he wasn't going to let anything happen. I mean, he, he, he was going to do everything in his power to, bring that win. And um, if that meant, you know, taking some big hits like he did, uh, especially on that flip to the end zone, I mean, he was going to do it. And then tank, uh, I mean, he, he, he just, I mean, he, you see that confidence in him every time you talk to him, you could see that again. Um, one thing he talked about was his eye black um, red murder business. And he was like, you know, that's just my message. I'm out here to murder whoever's up against me. Um, I'm, I'm here to kill. I seek blood. Um, and so he, 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 that was a big takeaway from him. And then he also talked about uh, on that uh, two-point conversion in the second overtime where uh, he made that toe-tapping grab. Originally, it was supposed to be another QB draw, he said. Um, but him and Toon locked eyes before, and he said, you know, Toon was, like, basically telling him through his eyes, I'm coming to you. And then I don't know if y'all talked about Dana said that Manjack ran the wrong route on that play. Um, but – that's just tank being tank and you know he he knew like he was going to make that play no matter what so that was the big thing from him and then nelson um he i mean nelson's you know not a huge talker but the big thing from him was just you know how how complimentary he was of Derek parish you know who had surgery dana confirmed two days ago um parish injured his hand uh on like a punching bag thing getting on a warm-up drill um, and had surgery on Thursday, and he's out there playing with the cast, and 
he's the one that sets up, you know, the big interception for Caesar and just his re- resiliency. So those were the big things from the players um, overall. Gotcha, James. I know you're kind of crunching for time. And um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to kick you out of the Alamo Dome before uh, before we, we head out. But uh, just obviously looking ahead at Texas Tech, um, is there, there anything that there should be a focus or something? We heard Dana Horowitz in that clip say he's looking forward to dissecting it. But um, when we think of Texas Tech, we think of, you know, offense first. What's something, whether it be from the defense or maybe from the offense that we saw from U of H that they're going to have to clean up um, when they go up to Lubbock next week? Well, for one, you know they're going to be motivated because of what happened last year. But I think there's a few big things to watch. Obviously, the offensive line, how that works. They were rotating in uh, Ruben and Lance at right tackle. So can they get a solid starter there? Because, you know, early in Dana's career, they had so many different combinations of O-line, and that really hurt them. Last year, every every game was the same starters. They need that same consistency. So can they find that? Can they sure things up? And then Tazon Henry's health, obviously, Dana said he had – an ankle injury of some sorts. Uh, he was only out there a couple drives. And so, yes, Brandon Campbell and Stacey Sneed provide, you know, decent depth, but Dana's like, you know, they're young. They're going to make their mistakes. Tejon's different when he's out there. So how does he stay healthy? And then obviously uh, on, on the defensive side in the first half, you saw uh, Sack Ab get to Harris a bunch, but they couldn't finish the play. In the second half, they finished the play three or four sacks. I don't know what they finished with. And um, they, t- Nelson Caesar talked about just, you know, how some of those first game jitters clearing those up. So I'm looking to see, you know, are, are we seeing these same missed tackles from the gates or they clean that up where, you know, they're coming out and if they have the opportunity to sack uh, Tyler Shuck, I think that's who's starting for QB at Texas tech. Are they going to m- make it instead of, you know, let what happened tonight in the first half where Harris was able to, you know, extend plays with his legs, avoid all these things and ultimately lead to UTSA's points. For sure. And like you mentioned, the Houston defense finished with three sacks, uh, six tackle for losses. And obviously, of course, like you mentioned, if the starting QB is a uh, title shook for Texas Tech next uh, next week, it's going to be something where you know, they, they've seen some footage of them, obviously, of course, like you mentioned, going back to season opener last season. So like you mentioned, it's going to be a big game, especially when we talk about um, what Houston and 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 all the players that they're returning from last year's team, um, how motivated they are. I'm sure that's going to be something on their bucket list. So, James, once again, thank you for being able to hop on and, and join us. And also, of course, for providing the footage. We appreciate you, man. Drive home safe. Thank you, Thanks James. For having me. Have a good mm-hmm. one. See you all. For sure. And that, so once again, that was James Mueller of the Daily Cougar. We have a couple of more Dana Horgerson clips before we wrap things up. Um, but uh, obviously, of course, before we go to those Horgerson clips, have to give props to Five Star Properties, the primary sponsor for the first for the first four episodes, actually, of our Let's Rage Cougs postgame show. So they're going to take us through the month of September in terms of primary sponsorships for Let's Rage Cougs, keeping us doing this postgame show. We've received a lot of feedback and we we like that. It. it looks like it's been a, a success based off the comments. So once again, they are a Dallas-based company owned by UH alum, like Dayon Dunlop said. If you're facing foreclosure or you need to sell your house as is for cash and you're in the Dallas area, be sure to contact Five Star Properties at 972-532-SELL. Or if you're interested to learn more, be sure to visit them at their website at www.fivestarprops.com. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and huge props for them for being the primary sponsorship. I'll test it over once again to the final clips of Dana Lowerson before we wrap things up. Could you feel that you that sort of resiliency on the sideline did you still you know feel that you know belief uh I, at the beginning of the fourth quarter yes mm-hmm. i believe we got a stop and then we drove it all the way down there and we had it on the five and so you know we called everybody up it's 21 to 7 but i felt like we had started gaining momentum and so you know we brought them up like we always do in the fourth quarter and just challenged them this game's not over and they, they had that look in their eye like this game ain't over I've brought them up, you know, with uh, down less than that, and they'd had a look in their eye. Like BYU comes to mind when I brought them up in the fourth quarter. I think we were up. Uh, well, I think we were up. But they didn't have that look. They didn't have the right look in their eye, and we didn't finish. Now that was two years ago, and this program's in a different place now. But uh, they had that look in their eye, which was which is what I wanted to see. And sure enough, we played good in the fourth quarter, got it to overtime, and then we finished the game. Sneak got stopped on fourth down on that drive, and you guys get another shot at it with the illegal. 
So that, that clip got cut out there, but I, I think that's interesting where we talk about progression uh, from a program standpoint and when they were um, referencing that that uh, BYU game, that was you know, a couple of seasons ago now, going back to 2020, um, where he talked about how really that that's kind of the growth from this program and how now they've kind of adjusted and we've touched upon it. Um, I, actually, one of the big storylines throughout training camp where a lot of the veteran leaders on this team were talking about how they have one goal in mind and that's being able to accomplish what they weren't able to do in 2021 and that's you know, finish and then win the American Athletic Conference Championship and I think it's interesting you hear from Dana Hoverson's perspective and, and it kind of shows that maturity of the team of from where it was two seasons ago to where they are now yeah it was something like I mentioned a second ago I mean years past they would have found a way to lose that game and now it's a different team. They're looking at their eyes and different. Their belief is different. Makes me think of um, the quote that Nelson Caesar gave um, last week before the game that th- this team was really, really motivated, not only because they believe that they can win, but not only that, they have the talent to win. They, they, they know what it takes to win. And I think they really have a leader at the helm, a quarterback and coach, whether it's Dana Hogerson, um, the defensive coordinator, Doug Belk, and the entire coaching staff as well. I think this, this team has definitely taken a turn, but you got to finish next week. Next week is a big game for me. For sure. I'll give Justin any any thoughts before we go on that final Dana Overson clip. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Deion said it best. Like, next week it's a huge game, and there's still a couple – I mean, we got a W today, but you can't get, a, get anything wrong. Like, there's still some question marks, some answers that need to be, you know – uh, answer uh, some questions that need to be answered. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how well we do against uh, Texas Tech, who, who do have our number over the last couple of years. Justin? Yeah, like I said earlier, we have a four-game losing streak going all the way to 2010. Of course, the last few years, mm-hmm. those games were winnable against those Tech teams, and those were not good Tech teams at all. And we should be able to go into Lubbock and be prepared and hopefully get the win next week and get that Texas Tech come off our shoulder. For sure. And this will be our final clip of the evening, I guess. Yeah, the evening, almost 8 o'clock. It's already, you know, that fall season, so it's pretty dark outside. Uh, Dana Overson, once again, post-game, talking the 37-35 overtime thriller in San Antonio. That's, that's, that's exactly right. I, I, I flat out told him, I was like, we just got a break there. We need to capitalize on that. This is one of the first breaks that we've gotten this game, and we need to capitalize on it, and we did. And so that that, that was big. Dan, you've talked about just, you know, the weapons y'all brought in at receiver, and obviously Tank did his thing, but can you just speak on that man-jack catch and how big that was? That's big. Uh, they, they uh, you know, him, Golden, you know, Sam Brown, Kojak, Co- uh, C.J. Nelson, those guys played kind of like I thought they would. You know, they had some big drops. They had some busts of assignments. Matt Burns, same thing. Uh, a couple of busts, a couple of, um, you know, MAs and, and some drops as well. Um, you know, first game stuff, I knew it was going to happen, you know, so I think we'll be able to, you know, obviously just clean some things up and, you know, use this for learning experiences. But, um, you know, Matt made a couple of pretty outstanding plays. I mean, they're all capable of making plays. Manjack made a play. Seeing the other guys do it, um, the more they play, the more consistent. So a couple things there, and obviously, of course, uh, I think that's something we haven't really touched on, and, and it's that break that we heard Dana Horson discuss at the very top of the clip. Um, UTSA had stopped Houston on fourth down, and I can't remember if that was late third or early fourth quarter, but I know Houston was down 14, and... They got the stop. I believe it was Stacey Sneed who they had stopped at behind just short of the first down marker. But a flag was called and UTSA allowed Houston to convert a first down because they had too many men on the field. And lo and behold, Houston capitalizes on that. They go down, they drive, and they cut the deficit to seven. And then on the rally, they, they end up scoring 17 on the answer off of, you know, after that mistake by UTSA. That's something we haven't touched on. That's that's pretty huge. And honestly, it might have turned the it, it did turn the whole game around because UTSA takes over. They're gonna be already in Houston territory if if that you know that stop stands. Yeah, I think that was a game-defining play, but I think the play that really, really turned the momentum, in my opinion, in which we haven't talked about, well, that was Derek Parrish. That that yeah. um, sack fumble, well, I don't know if, it, if he gets credit or sack there, but or deflection on the pass in which Nelson Caesar made that interception. That play, in my opinion, really solidified 
their um their momentum in uh in Houston's direction and they really never looked back after that. But that was that flag, that was something that Houston, like Dana said, some we they definitely haven't gotten in the past. And Clayton was able to drive down and capitalize on it. And that was a huge play as well. Okay, Justin, any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. That was for me, I was gonna I was gonna mention that same play, like the pass defense. That was that was to me the play of the game. And then second was like obviously the interception. And then third was the was the touchdown catch that resulted from that. But you know, it's just when it comes down to it, whenever you need to make big plays, the best teams are the ones that, you know, convert on some of these plays. So that's how that's how UH got the dub today. And like that's what it's going to take probably throughout the season because they're, you know, it's some of these games are not going to be a cakewalk. For sure. Justin, I'll let you um, get in your final thoughts. Yeah, they all in the app could just. Know that right there with the Derek Parrish play with a big hit on Harris and then ball just went straight up in the air and Caesar able to get it and take it all the way down to the 20 yard line. And then just a few plays later, the touchdown pass to tie the game, of course, on the the crazy Manjack reception. But yeah, yeah, it all started with that uh, the legal substitution and then the turnover on the other end. But other than that, just a great effort from there on out to get the win. For sure. And and really, it, it's going to be interesting to note, like we've mentioned uh, throughout training camp, Dana Horson said that he felt like, um, at least when it comes from a receiving core standpoint, this is probably the most deepest they've been, I believe, the direct quote, or I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but something along those lines where he felt that at each receiver position, he, he feels pretty confident that they are too deep. And I think, you know, obviously there were a lot of mistakes with, with drops from a couple of receivers. And you know, it'll be interesting, like James said, is that was that more of the case of, you know, the season opener jitters? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be big to see at Texas Tech, is that cleaned up? And do you see a lot less of those mistakes? Because um, if you do, then I think you showed it in flashes where it was Matt Golden doing the, the toe drag catch. Obviously, of course, Manjack with one of the plays of the games, uh, 1A and 1B there with Clayton Toons die for the two-point conversion. Um, obviously, of course, we know what Tank Dells was going to bring to the table and you saw it. I mean, he, to be honest, he probably, you could say he had a, a, a down game for getting tank standards but he had two touchdowns you know so he was really impressive and I think overall it just goes to show the potential that this Houston team has and it'll be an exciting 2022 season uh before I'll let everyone go around the table and uh, where people can find them on Twitter uh for one final time we'll give props to our sponsor obviously of course thank you to everyone that took time to comment or that joined the show to be able to discuss um, and give their input something. It's post-game UH show, so we appreciate your guys' comments, uh, especially Juan uh, Miranda, who it looks like you donate to the show as well, so you're on it. Your sponsor, your sponsor will will get you up here one last time, and obviously, of course, shout-out to James Mueller of the Daily Cougar, who you heard him speak uh, about 10 minutes ago, but obviously, of course, also provided the post-game coverage. He was in San Antonio covering it for the University of Houston student newspaper, the Daily Cougar, and once again, major props to five-star properties that were our primary sponsor for the show. They will be for the next three episodes of the football season. And they are a database company, like I said, all show um, owned by UH alum. And if you are looking to sell your home for cash, be sure to check them out at fivestarproperties.com. That's www.fivestarprops.com. Or be sure to call them at 972-532-SELL. So, Akib, I'll toss it over to you first. Where can people find you and any thoughts, whether it's of this game or looking ahead to UTSA? No, I'm just uh, excited about, you know, playing tech. And uh, and I think someone did mention in the comments that we have a winning record against Texas Tech, but definitely not in the last um, couple of years. But so I'm, I'm excited to hopefully, you know, get a get a W and not just a W, but like a commanding victory because UH is a is now a top is a top 25 team currently. And some some pundits had them, I think, have UH um, being a uh, playing in a New York New Year's Six Bowl. So, yeah. um, you know, they got to they got to play a lot better to achieve that. And you, uh, like uh, Andy said, yeah, you could find uh, me at Akib Ghazi MMA uh, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. 
Yeah, for sure. Whenever uh, whenever the UFC comes to town, he does great outstanding <laughs> coverage. Um, be sure to follow him on Instagram for for a lot of that coverage when they they come around the state of Texas. Uh, Justin, I'll toss it over to you next, sir. Where can people find you? And any closing thoughts? So guys, y'all can find me at Jay Barbosa PXP. And yeah, just look forward to next week. You know, get that Texas Tech hump off the shoulder, finally get a win over them, and go two and zero, and just hope. You know. Get some more attendance, at least what they honestly hopefully at least 30, 35,000 for the home opener. But just make sure you take care of business against tech next week, and you know, all should be good from there. And Dayon, I'll toss it over to you. Where can people find you? And any closing thoughts? You can find me like the screen shows below at Twitter, at Instagram, at Dayon Dunlap. I think this week, one game being in this tough crowd facing. This really good UTSA team is only going to help prepare Houston for another even tougher crowd in Lubbock against Texas Tech. And so I'm expecting to be more poised, less penalties, and put together a better performance. And I, I think maybe they let Tank loose a little bit, Not probably not so much letting it go um, in that first week, probably holding back a little bit. But I, I think this game definitely is going to help prepare them, and they're going to take a lot of learning experience from this win and take it into the next week and hopefully they get that dub and that's going to do it for the inaugural let's reach cougs of the 2022 season this is going to be something that not only will be doing post game for every football uh game of the season but obviously of course once the men's basketball season rolls around november 7th the home opener the season opener for uh men's basketball team an exciting time obviously of course the final season is in the american athletic conference uh for the university of houston before they jump into the big 12 in 2023 we thank you for each and every single person that checked us out that commented that joined the show and obviously of course our sponsors and um or even our our juan miranda who also donated during the show we can't, couldn't do this without you guys so we're greatly appreciative and we'll do it again next week uh post game when houston takes on texas tech in lubbock once again thank all three of you guys for being able to hop on and go Cougs.